0: Welcome to this episode of Spiritual Hustle. I'm Anthony Filipovich, and along with Justin Sabinsky, we'll be talking about natural law today. Natural law is derived from Hermetic philosophy, which is an esoteric tradition based primarily upon the writings attributed to Hermes of Greece. The tradition claims descent from a doctrine that affirms the existence of a single true theology that is present in all religions and that was given by God to man. These writings have greatly influenced Western esoteric traditions and were considered of great importance during both the Renaissance and the Reformation. It was the practical aspects of these hermetic writings that attracted the attention of scientists such as Isaac Newton, who placed great faith in the concept of an unadulterated pure ancient doctrine, which he studied vigorously to aid his understanding of the physical world. There are seven laws known and one law that was Lost. We're going to go through all those, describe them, and explain how they can be used in your life to better your, your life. Justin, do you want to take us through like a high level of these principles? Um, yeah, sure. So basically,
1: the most organized um, system of, of, the, uh, of these uh, laws comes from the Kybalian. Um, which is what we're going to kind of work off of and, and, um, um, we kind of just looking at them, you, you just call these the seven hermetic principles because, um, um, when, when you use the, the term hermetic, you you're, you're, it's where we get our term hermetically sealed from. And there, there's a couple mm-hmm. of, um, uh, reasons for that. For one thing, it, it's, it's sealed as in like, um, like when, when, when something is sealed, like you, you can't get in out of it, it's a, it's, it's it's kind of like a decent definition of like of, of a law because, uh, if there's a law, you can't break the law. Um, and, uh, and so for example, if you, um, jump off a cliff, um, uh, the theory of gravity states that, that you will fall down off the cliff and, and there's no way to, um, break that law unless you, uh, utilize other laws to overcome, uh, the law or, or the theory of gravity. And, um, um, and, and that's how we get flight and everything. Um, and then on top of that, it's been hermetically sealed because um, it's an esoteric tradition, meaning that it's not taught in public education. And, uh, and what that means is that a lot of people aren't introduced to this information until much later in their lives when they stumble upon it while they're trying to find meaning and understanding in their lives and, uh, and then realize that, that um, this should be taught earlier on in school and, there, and there's been a number of reasons for it not being taught. And uh, um, one of those reasons is that um, uh, a lot of powerful people reject this kind of information because they they already know this information and they know the power behind this information. They, they don't want other people to know about it because then um, everyone would have this secret knowledge. And, um, and, and so f- for that reason, um, for that negative reason, it, it's uh, hermetically sealed. And then for the positive reason it, is that um, the, the people look at consciousness and, and they really take it for granted. But, but what it, what consciousness really looks like figuratively is a tiny candle um, in the middle of a rain sleet storm in, in northern Canada during, um, I would say, during uh, early December. And, and that little flickering candle is, is our, our, our connection to, to this consciousness. Um, and know, knowing that um, you, they, the uh, people over the ages took this information and made sure that it wasn't something that could be lost. And, and they did that in, in many different ways. And, and uh, in a lot of ways, they, they put them into symbols and stuff um, for people to uncover. Um, in, just in case um, this, this information was lost because only you know, there, there's only a few number of people who actually know this information um, and then there's even fewer who actually understand it and then there's even fewer who utilize it in, in everyday life. And, um, and, and if there was a major cataclysm or something and, and all, we lost all of these people, all of this information would be lost. Um, and the likelihood of, of that happening is, is less now thanks to the Internet and books and um, Project Gutenberg and all this stuff. But it's still there and it still exists uh, that, that there is a possibility of this information being wiped clean and uh and so that so this information is taken very seriously once it's understood and um and yeah like anthony said there's um technically eight of them now um and what, the eighth one is the lost one and um and they go and the first one's the principle of mentalism and then the second and, and we'll get into the each one uh deeper but just uh, so we get the overview the first one is the principle of mentalism um which basically says that the all is mind and that the universe is mental and then the second one is the principle of correspondence and uh sometimes i call this one the principle of fractals because um mathematicians know fractals and this is correspondence is the same as as fractals they're they're explaining the the exact same system and all that is is, is that as above so uh, as above so below as below so above as uh, or as I like to, as I prefer, and, and what I'm reading here, right here is, I, I prefer to think of it as as within, so without, so without, or as without, so within, and um, and and that's because whatever's happening inside of your head, it, it, you're you you project it out uh, out into the real world, and uh, and then you're getting information from out that's coming in, and and um, and, and you're having, a, 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 if you look at it, you, people start to break it break it down into inner and outer world they're really the same exact thing. And, uh, and, and once you start looking at it, at it that way, then, then you start getting a better understanding of, um, uh, of, of basically how, how the universe functions. Uh, and, um, so the third one is the principle of vibration, which is a simple one for sciencey people to understand that nothing rests, everything moves, everything vi- vibrates. There is no absolute zero. There is no frozen, uh, things. Uh, there's always some sort of movement going on and, and, um, and you see this very simply with, with atoms. They're always constantly um, vibrating, oscillating, and moving. The fourth one is the principle of polarity. And this one states that everything is dual. Everything has its poles. Everything has its pair of opposites. Like and unlike are the same. Opposites are identical in nature, but different in degree. Extremes meet. All truths are but half-truths. All paradoxes may be reconciled. And What's this saying is, is um, it's, it's, it's more like a, a coincidentio oppositorum where um, you have a, two things that are totally opposite and you, you can't fathom how um, these two things could be anywhere self-similar. And then you look at a bigger picture and you go, oh, these things are the exact same. And a, a decent example of this is, um, government you have the far left and the far right and you you look at both of these things these things are totally opposite they're, they're they, they almost make a horseshoe shape um, when when you factor in all, all of their information how could these th- two things be the same well they're both in the government so they they are actually one thing um, okay so moving on the principle of rhythm everything flows out and in everything has its tides all things rise and fall the pendulum swings the pendulum swing manifests in everything the measure of the swing to the right is the measure of the swing to the left. Left rhythm compensates. And then the sixth one is the principle of cause and effect. Every cause has its effect. Every effect has its cause. Everything happens according to law. Chances but a name for law not recognized. There are many planes of causation, but nothing escapes the law. And the seventh one is the principle of gender. And for this um, because there's so much confusion with the word gender, you you could just change this word out and put in creation. Um, and this is the, the principle of creation. And it just says that creation is in everything. Everything has its masculine, ma- masculine and feminine principles. Gender manifests on all planes. And then the eighth and final one is, um, the eighth and final one is um, the principle of care. And um, Basically, none of these things. Uh, you really can't manifest anything in your life uh, unless you actually care about it, and and care can also be seen as um, similar to intention, and and uh, and it can also be seen similar to uh, meaning. Finding meaning in your life, something that you actually care about. Like what what do you actually think about during your day when you have uh, free time? Free time is the best time to see what you actually care about. Um, if you're spending your your free time. Um, reading Carl Jung's book um, archetypes of the collective unconscious, then that's something that you care enough about that you're going to spend your free time doing. Whereas if you're using your free time to watch movies and videos and TV shows, and then you're getting frustrated because you're not learning something or you're not growing in a, in a specific way. um, It, you're, you you're, you're one lying to yourself. And, and the bigger thing is that, is that you actually don't care about that stuff. You, you want that stuff. You would like that stuff. But You don't really care about it because if you cared about it, all you would be doing is thinking about it. All you'd be doing is wanting it. And, uh, and it would be driving you crazy if you weren't working towards that, uh, getting that thing that you wanted. And, and, and it just proves to yourself that, that you don't care about it. And therefore it won't manifest. You can only manifest things that you actually truly care about and, uh, and, and truly want and, and truly, um, Uh, want to see in your life and and almost inevitably with the care and utilizing these principles, these things will come into your life as long as you care
0: about them. And uh, I think that's a decent overview, broad strokes. Um, Yeah, Yeah, I think that that's an excellent overview. Thanks for that. Um, I would like to to say, just emphasize the importance of this, but basically the universe runs on natural laws, whether you know these laws or not, they, they will be applied to you. Um, so, so the importance of knowing them is paramount. If we take the time to understand these, we can use them like to our advantage. And I think what you'll learn is as we get into this, into these laws, there, there are there are important aspects of it. One, one is a sense of bringing a sense of morality uh, to your life and truth. And we'll, we'll see this weave its way through all of these laws. Um, and the beauty of that is the closer you align, you align yourself with truth and morality, the better off your life will be, the happier you will, you will be. Um, so I just want to emphasize again that the importance of, of these natural laws. And, and I wanted to, to ask you a question. I know that you've, you've done a lot of studying on natural laws. Was there ever a time in known history, like during the Renaissance period or any other time, where these laws were, were taught to the general populace? Yes. Um, during the, um, basically during the
1: beginning of the enlightenment, all the way to the 1900s, basically, essentially during the smartest point in Western human history, then essentially human history uh, altogether, if you, if you, you know, really want to push it, um, was during the enlightenment. And, and then there was, um, and and then, and, and that's when this information really started to become suppressed when, um, technology was kind of advancing exponentially. And in the early 1900s is when that that exp, uh, um, exponent, uh, exponential improvement in human quality of life uh, improved so fast that it, it, it kind of terrified um, a lot of people. And then disinformation started slowly going underground. And why do you think that was? I think it was because of the growth in technology and the, the it, people... Bicycle repairmen should not be making machines that can fly when um, when other people who were funded by millions and millions of dollars could not make these machines fly, um, and and it was a testament to the school systems that were um, around between the between the between the 1500s and the 1900s.
0: But when you say because of the like te- advancement of technology, was it that the advancement of technology seemed to make this information irrelevant, like t- the technology became the new God, the-, the new thing people believed in?
1: No, it was... Um, it, it, there were people in, in power who had been in power for thousands of years, and they had been in power because they had knowledge that that other people did not have. And when this knowledge... when uh, even just like an inkling of this of this knowledge get, gets into the the fabric of the mind, um, understanding suddenly explodes, and you can understand things that, that you pre that a lot of people previously didn't understand. And that was sort of the the thing is is that when in the 1500s when this information was put into schools, there were only like a few schools. There was only the the, the cream of the crop. Only the, the the kings and the queens and the princes and all these people could go could go to, to church. Uh, uh, only high, high class people. Okay. Um, and then. People were like, "Well, this is amazing! Like, let's open more schools, and so we can get the upper middle class into here, so we can get the the court the court people in." And, and then, uh, and the next thing you know, um, uh, there's a ton more schools. That, and then, and then, this is what what gets this is what really started pushing things when people were realizing that the more schools that you had in your um, in your country, um, the faster your country was going to uh, improve compared to other countries. And then so now, now it's like a race to, for intelligence. And then, um, and then it, it got to a point where people were getting so smart that they weren't following orders because it, it, it's really hard to convince somebody who has uh, an understanding of, of moral law to go and kill somebody else because they're like, mm, no, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then uh, the Germans figured that out. And that's, that's when the Prussian school system when got into play because they were like they're like this is r- ridiculous we we just want to make people who will listen to our orders so then they completely changed the school system German military uh, just started smoking everybody and then everyone um, started switching over. Hmm. Smart people don't make good warriors because uh,
0: good warriors are are very rarely needed. Right, they'll, they'll think for themselves and not to, not take orders. Okay. I I feel like at some point, maybe another podcast, we can get into the the history of that. It'd be be really interesting to understand that. Um, But for this one, let's focus on the natural laws. So let's move on to the principle of mentalism and get into the details of that. Okay. So
1: um, first of all, the the order of these things actually matters. And the the principle of mentalism is the most important one to understand. It's the most uh, dense and uh, hardest to understand. So we're not going to we're we're gonna keep it limited. Um, the the but we're gonna I'm gonna bring up the the big picture and then and then, and then but then we're gonna focus on the stuff that the the actual practicality um, of this stuff. And um, so uh, when when we say that the all is mind and that the universe is mental, what they are actually saying is that um, all the universe is is just a thought in the mind of God. Like that that's how. Uh, tiny and insignificant, and, uh, and and small we are in, in terms of in terms of the the idea of God that we're literally just a thought, and and the idea makes kind of sense. Because when, when you stop and you think that when these people wrote this, it was before the idea of it was before electricity was discovered, mm-hmm. so they didn't have the words to actually describe what they were seeing. And and a thought is, is actually a very apt, like it, it's actually kind of impressive that they came up with that I, idea. Because um, uh, when when you see a thought like on an fMRI screen, like something light up or something, it it does take kind of the shape of a, a very pushed out, like if you if you really zoom out, um, the university, take a look at it, it, it does, they do kind of look like neurons, um, in, in the way that they're connected and stuff. And it, it's kind of interesting that, it, that it just, it just looks like one, one big thought. And, um, and, but the, um, that, that's not very practical for, for people. And, and I understand And And it's also very hard to grasp. And it, it's, so there, there's another part to, this universe being mental is that we look at, at the world around us and we see all these physical objects and we say, wow, the, the universe must be filled with these physical objects. And then you, you actually stop and you say, no, actually, the physical, these, these things that we claim are physical objects are actually the exception to, to the rule. Most things are, are invisible and, and are, are kind of almost in a, in a different plane. And and that's kind of how we break this thing apart. And, and, it, it, and you, you get this, this plane that, that's called mental. Uh, it, it's your mental plane. And in your mental plane, things are different in there um, than what they are out here. Because I can make a perfect square in my mind. And no matter how many times I make a square in the real world, no matter how advanced my computer is, the square in my mind will, will always be... Um, more perfect than the one out in the real world. Um, and, and what this kind of is, is an indicator of is that uh, this this mental plane is sort of an incubator for creation in in the real world. And so if you really want to um, utilize this stuff, you have to start thinking about what you're thinking about because what you're thinking about is going to incubate and build and grow and then eventually manifest itself. And if all of you're thinking about is... Uh, Drugs, porn, um, being lazy, watching movies and stuff. And uh, then, then that's what you're going to manifest in your life. And you're going to experience more drugs. You're going to experience more of this stuff. And, then, and, and it, almost, it almost works in line with an, an addiction because of how things are manifested, you start to care about these, uh, these sort of things more. So you start to think about these things more and then it builds and builds and it manifests more and more. Well, what if instead of, uh, drugs and movies and all this other stuff, you started thinking about positive things. If you started thinking about, um, uh, starting a business, well, that's you're you're incubating the start of an actual business in the real world. And the, the incubation process is, um, the, the most important part because you can't create anything until you have a, a thought about it. And, and think about that for a second in terms of consciousness, because, because you have to realize that, that people had to become individualized. individualized. Um, they had to consciously realize that, that they were separate from something else. And, and um, so there was a time before, before we even thought that we were separate from, from anything, before we even had that, that realization of a self within us. And, um, and and so so even like our access to to consciousness even um, is predicated on the fact that we had to think about it first, and then once we thought, oh, I'm separate from there's this is this, there's tree there's the other things here, and I'm separate from that. And uh, that is a uh, that was an incredible leap forward in human history, and it all started with the principle of mentalism, the thought.
0: So I think um, one thing that is really highlighted in everything you said is the importance of us taking responsibility for what we think. Like if we really understood the importance of the mental plane and how that impacts your physical plane, actually your physical plane is created from your mental plane, then you would take so much more responsibility in regards to the thoughts you that go on in your head, the thoughts that you allow in your head.
1: Yeah. And, um, um, another thing that I, I wanted to bring up, and this is a recent realization of mine while reading Jung is that, um, everything psychic or everything mental is, um, performed. So, um, this doesn't sound that, that deep, but I've really th- been thinking about this and, and, and I like, let's just, let's look at this. Okay. So, um, you look at somebody's, um, posture and, and you tell them, hey, if you want to be more confident, stick your chest out and um, roll your shoulders back and, and stand straight up and and, um, and, and, and kind of walk with, with this swagger, right? right? What the hell does that have to do with confidence? What does that have to do with confidence? How is that making you a more confident person? It's because you're pretending to be more confident. Therefore, you you actually act out and perform. You, you do the performance of somebody who's more confident and then you become more confident. So you're like, you're in, you're, you're not just thinking about this. You're like becoming um, more confident. You're becoming the definition of a more confident person. And then in that process of acting out what it's like to be more confident, you just become more confident. It's like the, the utilizing, um, our natural, uh need for storytelling for um performance of all kind that we well why do we love these 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 movies and they they show this person that we really like well because we want to be like them and then we start walking like them we start talking like them and and um and and we do that because there's things about them that that we like and um and and the and this emulation is really um very important in in terms of of of, um becoming the thing that you want to be and and, then and yeah
0: Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, completely, completely. And and I think um, two other thoughts come come to me. One is the importance of imagination. Because Mm -hmm. mentalism basically tells us that our outer world is created by our inner world. The only way we can change our outer world is by having experiences we have not had to date, right? And, and the only way you can really do that is through imagination, imagining like a bigger world, a, a bigger life for yourself, imagining something that, is not, that you haven't experienced or known about, right? So in that context, imagination uh, – well, in that context, um, Einstein was correct, like imagination is the most important thing. Imagination is more powerful than intellect because with imagination, you can create a new – a new, new life and experiences for, for yourself. The intellect could never do not, not, I don't think the intellect could do that, but the imagination can. Yeah. So it, I just like to emphasize the importance of that. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's like the, um, so
1: the intellect I, I, is great in terms of, of measuring things, right? Yeah. So if your life is crap, you know, you're measuring, you're, you're measuring your life out and you're observing and, and, I mean, man, I live in a dingy place with people that are, are assholes and, um, I don't have a, a steady job and all this stuff. Your your intellect is telling you you're a crappy person. So how do you overcome this intellect? That's telling you that you are a crappy person. If you want to become a better person, uh, you got to believe <laughs> there's gotcha. a positive aspect to, to this belief and then, and, uh, to, to believe because, because, uh, believing is, is to exist in a lie sometimes you you need a lie to overcome uh, the intellect and the way the best way that you do that is, is first with the uh, visualization or imagination like, what would it be like what would I be yeah. like if I um, if I held a job for more than six months if I um, paid my bills on time what, what if I moved away from all, all of these people that were our negative influences on my life what would happen then and you just start asking yourself these questions and you start imagining um, these scenarios that are are extremely positive, and you and you, and and you start the incubation process, you start the process of mentalism.
0: Exactly, exactly. And, and that's why I think visualization has become so so popular recently, or well, recently in the last hundred years. But one thing I would like to add to to that is the the importance of gratitude while you're doing the visualization. Um Gratitude enables you to feel as if what you're visualizing is, is already there. And I think the way the universe works is, is in a manner that takes you very, very, literally. So if you do that visualization with gratitude, that puts you in, in the energy of that, that thing is already um, manifested. And I think that's the way the universe works it, t- it takes, it takes, it is a system of laws and it takes things very literally. So if you're putting a vision out there and that vision in your mind and your heart is already being completed, then that's what the universe will act on. Whereas if you put out a vision of something that you want, the universe would just create more want in, in your life. It won't create that thing you were looking for. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that the other reason that gratitude is important in regards to mentalism to manifest something is that it gets your heart engaged in the whole process and the more emotion and heartfelt feelings you have, the stronger, um, the manifestation on the mental plane. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes back to uh, a lot of things I've learned in the past about, you know, manifesting things in your life, going inside, visualizing it mentally feeling strong emotions about it, especially gratitude acting, feeling, thinking as if it's already occurred in your life. And then removing any fear and, and doubt, which is not always easy, and just feeling that that thing has happened. like that—that That is a recipe for creating anything you want in your life. And I think, and the mentalism is the base of that. And I think, and I've, I've experienced myself sometimes, after you, you get into the flow and you can do this on a semi-regular basis, you realize, not realize, you know that the universe is created from within you. And once you have that realization, then creating things is, is not as important as it used to be because you know everything's inside you, right? And then there's, there's a sense of peace that comes over you for that because there's because there's nothing that can rattle you anymore. There's never going to be a lack, there's never going to be a fear because you know that all of that comes within you and um, that's why you pay attention to the way you you think and feel to ensure that, you know, the negative things do not occur in your life. And that gives you a sense of complete control. And I've read numerous studies that said um, the number one criteria in regards to longevity wasn't heredity, It wasn't diet. It wasn't access to, like, health care. The number one factor was a sense of control people had in their lives. If they felt that they were in complete control of their lives, that was the number one factor in in determining their longevity and health and quality of life. So going back to what you said originally, yes, mentalism is kind of like the base primary principle that kind of ties everything together Mm -hmm. do you want to move on to the next one correspondence let's go okay so
1: the principle of correspondence um in um in symbolism you see you see the principle of correspondence um in lots and lots of places and it's, it's always pictured of somebody pointing up and somebody pointing down or of a of a tree because um if you look at the roots of a tree, the roots of a tree um, just look like the, the tree, um, except it's upside down. Um, and it actually makes kind of a, a toroidal shape um, because there's always a narrowest point on the on the trunk and then it goes up. And it's a, so it looks like as, it's, it looks the same as above as below if there's no leaves on the, on the top part of the tree. And, and the top part of the tree only has leaves to collect more sunlight. Which there is none underneath the ground, so they don't obviously need the leaves down there. So, um, when we're talking about the the principal correspondence, we're basically saying that I want to get this um, that the macrocosm or the very large, the totality, and the microcosm, the very small, um, the individual units that comprise the whole, that comprise the collective, are reflections of each other. So, um, another way to look at this is that the universe is holographic, that it's uh, self similar on all scales. And um, I always suggest that, that people look at the, this 1979 10 minute long video called The Powers of Ten, mm-hmm. because they um, basically zoom out. Um, by the powers of 10 um, all the way out so you can see kind of how space looks self-similar all the way out and then then it goes all the way back in into um, uh, a human's hand and you can see uh, it goes through the cells and then all the way down to the inside of an atom which we don't you know what know the, the inside of an atom or we didn't at the time and it's, uh, all that stuff is still very theoretical um, but the, the the point of this uh, of of correspondence is to see how uh, basically how things grow and shrink and fluctuate um, in um, in nature and 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 pretty much in, in everything that we see that, that that kind of has sense and, make, and has meaning to us and um, it's it, it's also called a Mandelbrot set which basically says you know you, you if you just keep zooming in on on these these things they they just keep recreating a similar. Uh, they, they they're using the the exact same um, uh, template and, and just re, re, um, constituizing them themselves into uh, different positions. But they're they're all self similar. Um, no matter how far you zoom into something or how far you zoom out into into anything. And um, um, I'm going to think how I want to kind of bring this back down to earth. And I think that the best way is is to um, Look at evolution itself as this sort of um example of of how this uh how this stuff kind of fluctuates and changes because because the, the the thing about evolution is that um if you look at at if you really break down um everything on on earth just for example of, of how all this evolution happened all of this is just it, they're all used all of us are basically made out of the same atoms as as trees and stuff and um uh, and we all have the same uh, atomic buildup but there's they're just positioned in different ways and, and these different ways create something as as different as a tree to a um, a whale, and yet these things are all made out of the exact same thing and it, and it 's just this constant uh fluctuation of change and um and and something some of this change is very advantageous in in our environment and and then so it's able to continue replicating and some of it's not and, and it'll and and will usually therefore stop replicating and, and that's kind of the process of of evolution at a very reductionist uh, uh level um is any of this making sense yet
0: yeah it, it's, it's making it's making sense I, I think the way i view it um is from the perspective of geometry Geometry is, is utilized at the sub subatomic level. And I've read new studies that basically said that the structure of reality, the sub-atomic, is based on geometry to the point where the geometry decides depending on what form of geometry, it, it'll determine where the electrons are placed. And, and then that will determine kind of like um, how that atom manifests into the real world. And, and also at the, macro level scientists starting to show that, uh, solar systems and universes are built on geometry. Also that they've already done it to a certain degree with planets, uh, following geometric shapes, uh, that explains why the eye of the eye of Saturn is in a certain sort the eye of Jupiter is in a certain place, why there's a, um, geographic, uh, pattern on the top of Saturn as as the storms stir around that. And, and they've taken this, uh, Geometric kind of bases and starting applying it to solar systems and universes. So that, that, so that's the way I look at it. I look at it like whether it's a universe, it's based on geometric patterns. Whether it's the subatomic, it's also based on geometric patterns. So to me, that's how the the universe creates itself by using the, the uh, fractals, and these fractals are based on geometric shapes. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Cool. Well, yeah.
0: I would I, I, I like to like just have have a quick discussion of like how that kind of intertwines with how you described correspondence. Do you do you uh, see, like a uh, symbolic like um, a nice uh, both those viewpoints supporting each other? Um. Yeah. So how how would you uh, how
1: would you bring those two
0: those two ideas together? That's that's what I'm not sure of. That's that's why I'm kind of like just throwing that out as a question at this point.
1: Well, I guess I guess my um, I've never heard that before. Um, the geometric? Yeah, you no. Know, I, 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 I at the atomic level, yeah, um, and 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 how I I don't know if how it's uh, how that um, um, is fractal.
0: It's it's is basically a fractal because they're, they're, the they're on each other yeah it basically repeats yep. the same geometric pattern that's on the solar system is repeated on the planet is repeated in the humans is repeated in the sub okay the I got you so, yeah
1: so that makes sense there you go okay so it's just uh, it's it's the same repetition and um, expressed uh, geometrically right cool right. yeah uh, as many example uh, different ways to look at it as possible is the most helpful way um, yes because yeah this one will the another way to look at this is to just is to realize that that the, the universe is literally inside of you and, and and outside of you at the same time basically what that means is is like have you ever thought how like an acorn could possibly grow into a giant tree it's, it's this tiny acorn how is all of that information of a giant tree inside of an acorn they don't weigh the same a tree is more dense than a uh, way more dense than, a, than an acorn how, how does this acorn how does this seed turn into a, a tree well it's got it's already ha- it has all the information necessary to become a tree it just needs the proper environment to to grow into that and, and you you can do that with a, because the universe is holographic you can do that with the smallest piece of of information available which is like a photon and you could take a photon and the entire universe is within that photon the entire um, potentiality is, uh, is within, within that one photon uh, uh, because of, of the way that the, the universe is fractal. Right. It's self-similar on all planes. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, principle of vibration. Nothing rests, everything moves, everything vibrates or oscillates and um, at, the, at the most fundamental uh, level, Uh, the universe is just pure vibratory energy it's it's always fluctuating and moving and changing and um uh, and it's always manifesting itself in different ways and uh uh, so this means that there's no actual solidity in the universe and and we've known this for a very long time now scientifically and uh that matter is just energy in a state of vibration and this means that when you look at yourself you you should understand that, that essentially you're just you're Pure energy, and the only reason why you, you appear solid is, is because you're vibrating at at such a low energy that um, uh, you you look like um, like you're solid, um, which is very interesting. And, 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 and people always scratch their heads, and then they go, like, well, how am I able to, to sit on something? And it's like, well, you're not actually sitting on anything. You're, the, the chair is resisting you, and, and, and you're, you're resisting the, the chair also on the way down, and you're actually never touching the chair that you're sitting on. Um, you guys are resisting because um, the, at the atomic level, your atoms are vibrating and oscillating um, differently. And this difference actually creates a sort of resistance. Right. And I say sort of because when you say a resistance, the the, the science types jump down your throat. So you say it's like uh, resist. It's like if they're resisting, um, and and you get to see this with magnets because magnets their um, their energy is is done in such a way that um, they're they're resisting. That resistance is actually visible. It's it's separated enough so that the human eye could actually see it. But, but we're all actually doing a, a similar thing. You just can't. Uh, see it because it's so close to the, the separation is so close to each other.
0: So I think this reinforces that idea that uh, we are spiritual beings having a materialistic experience versus materialistic beings having spiritual experience, right? Yeah. We, we are all energy, which is on more in the spiritual plane. It's definitely not on the ment- uh, on the physical.
1: Yeah. And, and, and what that also means is that, um, Death is an illusion because true death um, uh, would be the the cessation the cessation of, of all motion and energy, and there is no such thing as that. So um, there's because there's no such thing as complete rest. And, and then, right. um, as, as you stated, our universe is a, a spiritual construct for experiences to be gained, to have, and to have an experience and to learn and grow um, in consciousness. And uh, and, and uh, you can look at that as as a very nice life. A purpose if, if like if, if there was a rule book to the game of life that that would be one of the earlier things to hear would be that that this is the, we're here to have an experience because if we didn't have these bodies we couldn't have that experience you can't taste chocolate without taste buds that's um, right and uh so, so you need uh, you need these things to have experiences cool.
0: um a good quote that, that I've heard was um, the universe is not punishing you or blessing you. The universe responding to the vibrat- uh, vibratory attitude that you are emitting.
1: So- yes. So that's another way to look at um, the principle of vibration, especially in a very practicality point is that um, what the level that you're vibrating at is also known as uh, frequency and um, the higher your level of vibration, the, uh, the more uh, the, the narrower the narrower the, the wavelengths are between uh, um, uh, for that for that level of frequency and uh, a, a wavelength is just when you have the up and down uh, motion of a wavelength mm-hmm. one wavelength is in between each vibration and the, the shorter those are, the higher you 're vibrating and the whole the whole goal in your your life is to vibrate a, at such a, a high level that it almost looks like a straight line um, because you 're always trying to Vibrate at a level that is equivalent to what actual truth is, um, and you're always pushing yourself towards actual um, objective truth. And um, um, there's this whole chart that that shows kind of how uh, your level of vibration is an indicator of um, uh, of your emotional state, and, and the lower you vibrate. Um, you're, you're more depressed and angry, frustrated, confused, and, all of, and basically in a state of fear. And then the higher you go up, the, the, the closer you get to um, love and Christ consciousness and all of that uh, stuff. And um, the, um, the reason why you want to vibrate at a higher level is because it feels good. <laughs> and when it feels good, good things start happening around you and you start smiling more and feeling better. And, um, it's just a way to basically, this is how you pump up your state. You got to vibrate at a higher level. You have to, um, uh, do that. And then, um, and then there's positives and negatives to everything. So you, you, you go off the handle and you, you're vibrating at, at a super high state and, um, going back to when we were talking about this, uh, things never touching and everything. If you're not resonating with people around you and you're at the super high, high state, uh, people will bring you back down very quickly because, uh, um, because you're making them uncomfortable. If you're yes. too high, um, you bring it down for them so that they can understand you and, and appreciate what you're trying to say. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's because they're not understanding you. So, so, uh, you know, if I'm talking to somebody who doesn't want to talk about this stuff, I'm not going to force it down their throats because they're just going to get more annoyed and then, and then resist actually resist my vibration. Um, and, and and that's sort of why we actually make eye contact with people you make eye contact with somebody you lock eyes with them so you resonate with them when somebody has their eyes pushed down it's it's indicator of a lower frequency this is neuro-linguistic programming you're looking down so whoever's looking people looking down at their shoes it's oh, they're always sad depressed trying to they're, they're scared they're they're afraid of the person that they're talking to and um but um but then on top of that you also have the uh talking over somebody's head or when somebody's talking and they're, they're like not even like engaging with you, and, and, and that's kind of like this airy-fairy, like they're vibrating above you, you're not understanding them, they're, they're getting annoyed, and it, it's, it's because you have to bring their, their energy down so that you guys can, can relatively match, and, and a good way to do that is with eye contact. If you have eye contact with somebody, it forces them to listen to you because you're, you're physically forcing them to resonate with you uh, right. at an NLP
0: level. And those are extremely important points. I don't know how many times I've tried to, you know, introduce, like when I've been introduced to people, look them in the eye. And it's it's the rare time when someone will take, like, look you back in the eye for, for any length of period, like even two or three seconds. It's very rare.
1: Yeah, because it's a very, um, uh, it's an emotional feeling to resonate resonate with somebody. And, yeah. uh, and it's intense, and especially if you're, you know, you're you're a manly man, and uh, and you're staring in, staring into the eyes of a of another man, and you're resonating with them. Uh, it, feelings come up. <laughs> <and> it's, like, <laughs> and, and you, it's not like sexual feelings, but but feelings when you're a manly man is um, is interesting, and, um, and and so so you get a lot of a lot of those. But but then uh, you know you, you get a lot deeper understanding of somebody when you're looking in the eyes and you're, and you're talking to him, and 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 they're talking
0: back. Definitely, and I think that's that kind of highlights kind of like the schism in, in our in, in our world these days people are scared to get close to other people, especially if you don't know them, right? Because feelings do come up, and, and, and if it's a man, uh, man you like you start interpreting those like completely incorrectly, and then and then it's it's a it's a shit show after that, right? And it all comes down to a, a lack of intimacy with people for various reasons. Um, Yeah, Um, one thing.
1: Yeah, I'll give you a weird example, which is the whole reason why this whole thought process of the manly man came into my head. Okay, um,
0: this happened to you yesterday, right?
1: Well, I was was on Thanksgiving was last Thursday, right? And part of Thanksgiving, um, in a religious household that I was in with um, my my boss's house or my partner, my business partner, um, uh, you hold hands and you pray before you eat, and we're holding hands, and um, and he squeezed my hand. while and then but then he kept squeezing it right and for some reason in my head it was like "Is like is he hitting on me <laughs> and then like and then the then my next thought was my next thought was like you idiot squeeze his hand back <laughs> he's this is a married guy we've, we've been friends for years and i it, it this is a you know uh, there's there it was nothing it was but it was just when you're when you when you uh, when you're not thinking, you know, you misinterpret these things, and you really have to, to stop. Uh, and 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 yeah, yeah that that's a,
0: that's a schism. It's an issue. Yeah, I'd like to take like a, a quick moment to describe how these like the way these different laws kind of interrelate can be a little complicated. But at this point, I just want to give people an idea. Right, just throw it a, a little. Seed into their minds. So one way the laws we've looked at so far can work is on the using mentalism. You can go in, do visualizations, focus on something that you want to create. You know, you do it with gratitude and, and emotion, and that raises your vibratory rate, right? And by va- raising your vibratory rate, it causes the it increases the probability of that um, manifestation occurring. That's the effect, and then when that happens, there's a cause. We haven't got to cause and effect yet, but we will. So th- there's a, a like really quick example of mentalism, vibration, cause and effect kind of fit together. A very simple uh, example.
1: I think yeah. Well, a, the first three, um, um, I look at the first three as like as, as like um, uh, this is your your paint. This is your canvas. This is your paintbrush. This is what you're going to use to create. And the following um, principles are, are, are similar in each other as well. And, and there's, they're similar in a, in a lower way because you can always go back to vibration, to, to raise your vibration um, uh, over the, the following uh, three uh, principles. And, and I'll, I'll show you what, what, what I mean when we, as we get into them.
0: Okay. Uh, the last thought I'd like to have leave everyone with in regards to vibration is a quote from Nikola Tesla. He said, if you want to find the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration.
1: And, um, uh, and yeah, and, um, energy can also be seen as the, the thought of, of the mentalism. Exactly. Yeah. So let's move on to the next one. Principle of polarity, everything is dual, everything has poles, everything has its pair of opposites. Like and unlike are the same. Opposites are identical in nature, but different in degree. Extremes meet, all truths are but half-truths, all paradoxes may be reconciled. The best uh, symbol for this is the yin-yang symbol. It's not the best, it's just, this is the one, everyone knows this symbol. You can see it and you go, you know, okay, this is one symbol. But as' two diametrically opposed things, black and white, and what's this S shape? you know, what, what's that supposed to be? Right. Um, and what are they, why, you know, why is there a little black dot in the white and why is there a little white dot in the black? What, what is all this saying? It's just saying that basically, without this um, coincidence of opposites, um, nothing in this universe can actually be formed. You need a, a positive. Uh, pole and then a negative pole in order for electromagnetism to occur, and this is one of the fundamental forces of, of the universe. Um, is the, is this complete? These two things that should be diametrically opposed, they come together and then they form one thing. And when you uh, when you look at the, at the at the universe, that's how you have to look at it. The uh, a decent example of this is is a faucet. Um, the faucets running water and um, you turn the water up super high, and, and this is a super, it's super hot. This, this, is, this is the opposite of cold water. It is very, very hot. Um, well, what is cold water then? Well, cold water is just the, absent, the absence of energy. It's the absence of this heat. But it, it's still just a faucet. It's still just one thing. And yet we look at this thing and we say cold water is completely diametrically opposed to hot water. Like, no, it's not. The one's just vibrating at a different frequency. One's vibrating at a higher frequency than the cold, the colder one. And, and when you stop and you start looking at at kind of everything like that, everything starts making a lot more sense. Like you see all these people and they get, they go so extreme with things and and they they take things to the extreme end and, and everyone always goes, Oh, you need balance in your life. What are they talking about? They're talking about polarity. You go, you go too far into something and, and, you realize that you, you, you're you basically useless. So let's take, for example, a sport like tennis. Tennis has a forehand and a backhand. These are two diametrically opposed things because one's done on the left side and one's done on the right side. They are two different strokes where essentially the same thing's happening. You have to go low to high and, hit, and you hit the ball in front of you and all this stuff. Um, but if you have the best forehand in the game and the, the your opposite end is not good, you will lose tennis very consistently simply because of your weakness because you didn't because you don't have balance in your game um whereas if your forehand was a little bit worse but equally as good as your backhand you don't you have less weaknesses now somebody actually has to beat you um, they have to beat a more complete version of you, um, which actually gives you many more advantages in the sport of tennis because now you can smash winners off more consistently off your backhand. Now you can set things up use, utilizing um, 50% of the court that was uh, unobtainable to you um, prior, to, um, prior to balancing out your your strokes. And um, and you see that you can see this pretty much anywhere in all walks of your life. This is a very simple thing thing to understand. Are is it, are you putting balance in your life? Are you focusing? Um, when it comes to this sort of stuff, we we'll always break it down between uh, intellect and imagination. And um, you have to have the intellect and uh, to to basically ground yourself in a, a reality that that, that works. Um, but you still need the creation to, as we talked about earlier, to, to actually imagine and, and, and design and, and do things that um, are beyond your reasoning simply because um, it's never, something's never been created before. It, so that, that makes it beyond your, your reasoning before you're about to paint a brand new picture or something.
0: Um,
1: and, um, and then vice versa when it comes to imagination and intellect because if you go too, too far overboard with the imagination... You lose that grounding in reality, right?
0: Right. I think the the way I look at the law of polarity is that it enables you to like experience life fully. Um, like for example, unless you, unless you perceive what was bad, you wouldn't know what was good, mm-hmm. right? If you, unless you had bad food, you wouldn't know what was good food. If you didn't know poverty existed, how would you know like what wealth was, right? If you didn't know if you didn't have. Um, a spiritual, if you didn't have like a highly spiritual experience and like times of depression, you wouldn't, that's high spiritual experiences wouldn't mean as much to you. So polarity kind of brings uh, to me a richness to life because it, it enables you to, to do like uh, comparisons, right? And in, in those comparisons, it kind of gives you like the, the importance of a thing. Right. You know, and that's what polarity does. It adds a richness to life. Comparison. Yeah. Comparison. And, um, that, that's, that's big.
1: And, um, and then, yeah, so you actually end up appreciating certain things that, um, that most of the Western world finds, uh, abhorrent, which is like when you're having like Anthony said, like depression, um, you, you kind of appreciate the the depression. You're, you're almost like, well, how low can I make this depression go? Because once I come out of it, baby, it's going to feel great. It's going to feel even better. Um, like, and, and that's, that sort of thought kind of brings up the shadow, you know, you have this, yeah. this aspect, um, within you that is just, is, is subconscious and, and, and nasty and, 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 and you need to approach it and and interact with it but it's it's but it makes me feel bad like why would i ever want to to feel bad and well it's so when you feel good you really start to appreciate what feeling good means and um and and, and you can't do that without without the work in the in the shadow
0: i never thought of the shadow aiding that that comparison but, but but you're you're right it does I mean, that's, the shadow sometimes has um, more nefarious goals, it seems. <laughs> not, not only what I mean by that is not only to have you experience the opposite, but kind of to keep you in that <laughs> opposite experience, right? Um, but just like everything else, I, I think you're right. The ultimate goal of, of it is to push you into that so you have a wider range of experiences, right? Yeah. It's, up to you, it's up to you to decide how long you want to wallow in that versus doing something else right it all, always comes back to your free choice
1: mm-hmm. and um the the last thing i want to bring up with the principle of polarity is that the um w- when it comes to diametrically opposed things it's important to know that there's a difference in the differences in degree so you look at um like a thermometer it's like when does, when does something become actually hot to, to uh, subjectively speaking, when does something actually become hot? Um, and when is something actually cold? And it's like, well, it's got to go through this warm stage and it's lukewarm. And, um, and then it's like, kind of cool. Like you starting to feel something and then it's like, well, uh, there's, there's this whole fluctuation between these two extremes and this, this whole fl- fluctuation is, um, is
0: life pretty much. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, let's move on to the next law, the law of rhythm.
1: Okay, so the principle of rhythm is, uh, states that everything flows out and in, everything has its tides, all things rise and fall, the pendulum swing manifests in everything, the measure of the swing to the right is the measure of the swing to the left, rhythm compensates. So for this one, this one can be looked at in terms of the principle of vibration and the the principle of polarity, these two have a very big effect on the principle of rhythm because there's things uh, you'll see in your life. um, Sometimes things are going great and wonderful and and everything's super easy and sometimes it's not. And this is happening not just at the individual level, this is happening at the macrocosmic um, uh, level as well when you include all other uh, conscious beings and you you can kind of see that sometimes life life is a little bit harder, and you really need to hunker down, or you're going to get swept away. And, and the way to look at that is uh, swimming in a in a river. Um, you, when when you're swimming against the current, um, it's obviously harder, and you have to swim and and use and expend more energy um, to get across the river. A log can't get across the river because the log just goes with whatever the the flow is. But since we know about the principle of vibration, we can um, when we're in these lower vibratory states, there are certain things that we can do to raise our vibratory energy properly um, to overcome these natural rhythmic forces uh, within our lives. And the biggest thing um, going back to the yin and the yang is that um, um, when it comes to rhythm and this this takes sometimes takes uh, experience to happen. When you when your swing goes into the positive and you're just crushing it and, and, and killing it and everything, you have to keep in mind that you're not you're not a, you're not a true god. Like there is going to be something you're going to, to the pendulum is going to swing back, and you see this very simply in in when during economic crisis times, um, the pendulum swings into the bad right. And it's like, well, what do we got to do? We got to work harder. We got to fight we got to move. We got to make more, we got to make more money. We got to uh, produce more things and we've got to get ourselves out of this. Well, that's not what we do. What we do is, oh no, we're about to hit an economic crisis. Let's print more money. So now this week <laughs> it's going more. It's never, it's, well, we're still positive. We're still positive. It's going to come guys. And it's going to, it's got to come back equal, right? And your whole goal is to make that pendulum go stay steady. Because the whole trick is is you think that oh this is positive let's keep pushing the positive, it's gonna come back. It it it's a principle that this thing comes back, and this is the way of the doubt. You you don't you're not trying to mess with with karma. Um, you're you're just kind of a, a the and and the, the best way to not mess with karma is to simply observe and 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 to kind of take a step back from things. And if you're going to create something to, to, to do it with, uh, uh, with confidence and knowledge that, that this thing's going to swing back. And like I said, you can utilize the principle of vibration to kind of vibrate yourself out of this or swim harder and you burn more energy and it's more exhausting, and more tiring. Yes. But at least you, you slow that, that pendulum swing. So it's not totally even. And then, and then once it goes positive again, then remember, and then and you make sure to, to swing it back gently back to the balanced position. And you'll see that balance comes up time and time again with these principles.
0: I think your example of using the economic cycle has, uh, a, has an example for rhythm is perfect because it's one that everyone understands. And extrapolating that to the, you know, since, to the situation since 2008 in regards to printing money to get, to get us out of the prior cycle, it's a great example that at some point when it swings back, it's gonna swim back a lot harder than it would have otherwise, right? Yeah. Definitely. Okay. Uh, let's move on to cause and effect. Cause okay. I think I think you pretty well nailed rhythm there. Yeah, rhythm's uh
1: rhythm's a very uh, straightforward one to to visualize and the Dallas did a really good job with with it as well. Yeah. Um, Okay, so the principle of cause and effect: every cause has its effect, every effect has its cause. Everything happens according to law. Chance is but a name for law not recognized. There are many planes of causation, but nothing escapes the law. So, um, this is sort of when you know we're talking about the incubation period of of the principle of mentalism, um, and this is sort of how I look at goals now. Is um, a goal is an effect that you want. Um, so when you think in terms of um, effects that you want in your life um, or goals, um, once you have that decision, once you have the mental thought, this is what I want, okay, um, and this is what I care about, and this is what I'm going to work on, um, the very next thought it, it has to be in terms of thinking, in terms of cause and effect. What is the stuff? What are the things that I have to do? What is the cause of the thing that I want? What is the cause of the the effect? And when you can nail down the cause of an effect that you want, you will, one, also notice that that cause affects other things. So, um, um, well, let me continue with this. So that cause affects other things. And um, and basically, that cause, if you deduce the proper cause, um, to that effect, it is all but inevitable that that effect will occur as long as you do what causes the effect that you want. Um, so take, for example, making a million dollars. One of the causes of making a million dollars is starting your own business. That is a cause that, that will, that, that, that is an avenue that can make you a million dollars, starting your own business, um, selling products online, doing e-commerce and doing it, uh, with persistence and, uh, relentlessly, relentlessly and with confidence. And, and then there's all these other these templates that you can utilize um, in that process to, to make that money, to make that, the, those million dollars. And um, as long as you're doing these things, acting as if you, you already have a million dollars, doing these things that, that have been proven time and time again by multiple, multiple people to make you a million dollars, you will make a million dollars. Uh, the other thing to be aware of that is that the choice in which you decide to make that million dollars... Um, has other effects too. Some of those effects are um, um, part of a template to a cause uh, or to an effect of making a million dollars is that you have to stop hanging around people um, who are detrimental to that possibility. And so what that means is that in effect to the causes of making uh, making a million dollars, another effect of that cause is that you will lose some friends along the way. And um, and so these are the things that you have to be aware of that that uh, certain causes create a chain of effects, and that um, these effects in in turn turn into causes for other effects, and it fluctuates out um, self similarly to uh, the principle of correspondence, that it just keeps branching out and out and out as more and more effects create uh, create uh, become causes to other effects, and it has this ripple effect into the society because the friends that you you leave the, your friends see you and they have a reaction to seeing you making a million dollars are they going to clean up their act also and, and act in accordance to um to your example that you set um and then in turn create the effect of get, becoming friends again um or are you going to blame them and become and, and and utilize victimhood mentality and say well he stopped being my friend because he got rich no he stopped being your friend so he could become rich <laughs> well said. Yeah. I kind of want to end the uh, podcast now because uh, it's not going to get any better than that,
0: guys. That was good. That was good. <laughs> so, uh, one thing I'd like to add: like there, there is sometimes a debate whether or not free will exists. And I, I don't just like to put on record that I feel, based on my experience, free will does exist. But it, it exists within the boundaries of natural laws, specifically around cause and effect, um, because you, you can't break these natural laws. You can do whatever you want, but you can't break them without consequences. And I think one reason that most people don't fully grasp this law is because the, the, the time lag between the time you you do something and the effect occurring, right? There's, there's always a time lag Mm. and not only is there a time lag, there's, there's not a one-to-one correspondence. You know, you do two, two bad things and two bad things happen to you. Sometimes you do two things Mm. and there's an aggregate thing that happens to you, right? Sometimes karma seems to act on, on the aggregate aggregate. Um, So I I think it's important to understand all this in And also be very conscious of when things do happen to you. And I've had this occur too. When something happens to me, I realize what the cause of that was, right? And and it's gotten to the point um, on small stuff where um, someone will cut me off in traffic and I have a very negative emotion. And then like 10 seconds later, I almost hit somebody, right? Right. And I can and I can feel the direct relationship cause and effect on that. So I think it's important to like to be conscious enough in your life to to see those things when they do happen, because uh, it reinforces uh, the importance of cause and effect and how impersonal it is. It's just a law and it acts out there. It doesn't care whether you're good or bad. It, it'll do its thing, right? So it's important to be conscious of it.
1: Yeah, so a couple of things that you hit on first is, is yeah, the, the separation between uh, the cause and the effect. The, the, that, that's a big problem because um, uh, people are like, well, you know, I got this watch on and um, there's this time and, and, and there's the separation of time in people's minds. Well, time's an illusion. And when yeah. you realize that time is, is an illusion, then there is, there is no actual separation if you get rid of the, the time factor. You cause this, the effect will happen when it happens. You know, it, uh, that, that doesn't matter to, to the universe. Um, it, it'll happen literally when it happens. <laughs> um, and then on top of that, going into the free will is, is that, um, yeah, as you said, the, there is free will and it's bound by, by these laws. And, and one of the laws is cause and effect. And what that means is that uh, free will, you can break these laws. Um, you can break, break the, the, the principle of cause and effect, um, but you can't break it without consequence. And, right. and there's a consequence to these actions. And this is where, when you brought up karma, and this is how I always looked at karmic laws, is through the lens of, of cause and effect. Because it's like, um, karma says, you do something, all of this stuff is going to happen. And it's actually a big challenge to find out what is actually the right thing to do. And you see all these super smart people in in government deciding all these things. And a lot of these things end up making things worse in a lot of ways. And it's like, how how does that happen? It's like, well, it's really hard to to pin down what causes... success and or what causes this at, at a at a larger than the individual level at the individual level it's fairly simple there there are people who've done it so you just you emulate them and then um but yeah there, there is this there is this it's a challenge and, it, and it's really tricky to actually see that something that could be that could look on the surface as this wonderful um thing and and it, it looks like it's going to help so many people and then it ends up being a complete disaster and it's like um how does that happen how is that um how's that possible well it's it's a very big challenge to see what actually uh causes uh the effect that you want in the world and uh people who study karmic law say that okay well we're aware that this is a challenge and we may not even see the effects of this cause for a thousand years or ten thousand years so um what do we do then it's like well do as little as you can to um to create effects that uh, ripple effects in, in in the universe and that that basically means to to be observant and to to meditate and, and all this stuff and um and taking that to the extreme then suddenly you're pulling yourself out of society and you're living in a monastery and meditating all day and that that's no life um to live because you're not experiencing different things you're just observing um and, and 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 not experiencing experiencing life so when when you have this this uh when you're interacting with the cause and effect stuff you, you should um just be aware and, and conscious that um, going back to the million, million dollar example, there are things that um, millionaires do that do not cause um, uh, or do not, does, does not cause the effect of making a million dollars. And that if you emulate the wrong things, you're going to create more damage, more harm than good. So, it's, um, you, this is one of the things that makes you realize that, oh, you know, rationality really matters because we really have to pay attention to. The science here, and figure out like, is this going to work or not um, in, in our lives?
0: Right. Okay. Ooh. Good. I think we're ready to move on to gender. Uh, or how did you describe it? The law of creation. Yeah, I call it
1: the I call it the principle of creation, and it's not perfect, um, but it's better than better than nothing. And then and then you could just change the masculine into a positive and the feminine into a negative. And you get you get the same thing without um, without all of the heavy heavy scrutiny.
0: <laughs> right, it's uh, not like the scrutiny. To me, it's it's more
1: descriptive. Uh, um, oh, the way that it is uh, without changing it.
0: No, the the principle of creation is more descriptive to me than uh, the principle of gender.
1: Yeah, I could see that. Um, gender is tough for people. When, once you realize that that gender just means generation, like creation. It literally means creation. Um, and because what do you need? What do you need to create? life like on the physical plane yeah. you need a man and a woman there's this is you're always going to need that except for one time that maybe happened um and uh <laughs> um and, and 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 if that happens i mean you still like uh, she it was a virgin birth but uh but god inseminated her so it's still a masculine force had to uh seed seed this thing and um okay so the principle of gender or the principle of creation says that uh, creation is everywhere, or gender is everywhere. Everything has its masculine, positive, and its negative or feminine principles, and uh, and that creation manifests on all planes. And um, so, first and foremost, let's let's break down this masculine, <laughs> feminine. very reductionist. Similar, um, every single thing has, including you has a positive and a negative and um these things these positives and these negatives were described as masculine and feminine um, for a number of reasons if you go back to the yin yang you have the the yin um the the yin which is the feminine energy which is your your negative your dark your your moon your shadow um uh your subconscious and um and then on the other side you have the yang, which is easy to remember because yang, wang, positive, masculine, and um and, and penis and all that stuff, and and that's your that's your white, that's your light, that's your consciousness, all uh, this stuff. These two things need to interact um, at all times in order to create that that s that s shape, um, and and that s shape is is actually a two dimensional. Uh, figure of actual creation occurring of actually was of of energy being created because the S shape is, is the resistance point of those two points that are actually rotating around each other and creating that S shape. Those two little points, the black and the little white dot are are circulating around each other and everything around it, that black and that white um, is um, is the energy itself that they're emanating, which they would not, they would just be those tiny little uh, uh, symbolic atomic points had they not um, been uh, had they not been intertwined and basically mating with, with each other in order to create more energy. Um, and the reason why they chose gender with this is because if you got rid of um, all of this gender fluidity stuff that, that's been going on lately and you go back to how they were talking about this, they always talked about it in terms of, of, uh, of birth and, um, and a, two ma- a man and a woman uh, mating and then they create a baby. And, and it's like, well, that's what's happening everywhere. That's ha- that's happening on all planes. That's happening inside your mind. That's happening uh, in the spiritual realm, also known as the realm of the unknown—the the stuff that that we just will, that is almost pretty much beyond our um, understanding of, of, our, of our our cognitive our cognitive capabilities. Um, it's it's creating even, even there, and um, and what this means in terms of uh, practicality use is that. It, it again goes back to the polarity of this masculine and feminine principle. Um, the masculine principle is your, uh, in terms of creation on a on a on a piece of paper or, or on a on a canvas. That's your pen stroke. That's the stroke of the brush. Um, this is you actually taking what's inside your head, which is pure perfection, goddess beauty, imagination, perfection. This is a perfect square, and you do to the best of your intellect. To get what's in there out onto the piece onto the into the real world, and you create the square, and it's not perfect, and it's more of a rectangle. Um, and you do it over and over and over again, and suddenly, over time, um, your your ability to move the pen uh, or or, or uh, the brush stroke improves, and you get closer and closer and closer to that perfection that's inside your mind. And that perfection inside your mind is the mess is the feminine energy, and that's the that energy is always perfection, uh, always, a it's unbridled, infinite energy. You can imagine, I can imagine entire universes. I can imagine uh, space stations the size of galaxies inside my head. Um, I can travel um, the speed, well beyond the speed of light, instant transmission, just by thinking from, I can think of New York and then I can think of, San Francisco, because I've been to both those places, so I can experience simultaneously New York City, a slice of pizza from New York City, and then San Francisco, um, you know, with its poop on the side of the road, I guess, And, um, um, and, and I can do that instantaneously inside my mind, that's feminine energy, that's imagination, that's creation, now getting that creation out into the real world, that is hard work that is uh um that is conscious effort your you your imagination is subconscious it just just flows up in there and and you have very little control over it you can control it but you have uh, but ideas just pop up and you go oh and if you have the conscious ability to bring that stuff out into the real world that is creation that makes you god that makes you that's that's the that's how we were created in in god's image
0: makes sense so you're basically saying the feminine has the easy part of the job. Um, I
1: mean, I, I can't say that because <laughs> I don't understand it and none, none of us do uh, men and women it, because it's beyond us and um, uh, whatever engine is running that thing is um, that's, that's beyond, beyond our, our
0: cognitive capability. Unbridled, pure, energy right female energy through eastern philosophy is usually referred to as shakti that yeah that creates the entire universe and um yeah it's the energy to be worshipped respected respected definitely respected yeah and honored yeah
1: and um and to say that that masculine energy and feminine energy are the same is is a no no because it's just it's fundamentally scientifically proven to not be true. Right. And, and, and um, yeah, because just imagine if you could imagine you know if you had a if you had a complete control of your imaginative capabilities but you couldn't put it out into the real out into the world for anybody to see and experience. Um, well, that's just as useless as um, as having the best pen stroke in the, in the universe and not having an imagination. That's the issue with, with computers is um, you can get a computer to to scrape, to scratch together um, any image that that you want for it. It's got perfect pen strokes. It can make a a very, almost perfect pen strokes. It can make very good squares, but um, the imaginative faculty within it is non-existent. It's just emulating. And, That's intellect. That's, uh,
0: that's ones and zeros. So then like a simple example, someone who is lazy can't like manifest like what, what the ideas they have, they're lacking masculine energy.
1: Yes. So you're a lazy person and, and you say things like, um, Oh man, I get all these really good ideas. Um, but I never, you know, and, um, I, I never do them. What you're saying is that you have a, a, an imbalance in your in your masculinity. You're not willing to to, to actually do the work in the real world, um, to actually put in the effort, and to understand that the first time that, that you try something, um, it's probably not going to come out that well, and to right. be okay with that. Right. That's why, like things like competitiveness in sports is so interesting to men over women. In general, because of um, uh, you do the same thing over and over. You kick the soccer ball over and over and over again. And um, at some point, you do it in such a way that where it, it's like, it, it starts to look like art. It starts to look beautiful. And that didn't happen the first time you kicked a soccer ball. It didn't happen the thousandth time you kicked a soccer ball. But by the hundred thousandth, suddenly you're starting to, to look, look pretty darn good. And it's like that over and over and over again process is is intellect it's it's doing little math problems over and over again
0: so another reason i like um the relabeling to law of creation is that uh the masculine and feminine principle are are in everything and what i mean by that is it's true like on on all three planes some physical plane definitely through sex, on the mental plane and, and, and the spiritual plane. The masculine and feminine principles come into play in all three of these planes. That's why it, it is in everything.
1: And that's a, another thing about ideas too, is that, um, is that you, when you have an idea, um, it can be the best idea ever. If you can't seed that idea into other people's minds, then right. that idea will die. Yeah. And, and like, like I said, that, that idea could change humanity if people aren't understanding it, then, then it could take 50, 100 years for, for people to start to get what, what you meant. And uh, you see this in art time and time again. Uh, Herman Melville writing um, Moby Dick. Um, nobody got that book until after he died. And it took a very long time for people to understand what was going on. And um, you see that with a lot of uh, artists, too. Like uh, I think Rembrandt um, and, and a lot of them were, were ahead of their time and it took time for people to understand what was, uh, what was actually being portrayed. Um, and fortunately, I mean, you have to think about the countless great ideas that somebody wasn't able to explain properly and to utilize the, the, the masculine idea of seeding or uh, inseminating or uh, ejaculating this idea into somebody else's mind and allowing it to um, grow in there properly.
0: Right. Exactly. Okay, uh, let's move on to the eighth principle, the so-called lost principle. Cool. So
1: um, the eighth principle is the principle of care, and th- this principle binds all the other principles together. It's the encapsulating principle because it's the container through which all other principles fit, um, and, it's, and it's lost because... Um, no one practices it anymore and it's almost like an opposite sort of thing where it's cool to say i don't care and uh and when you say that one it's a contradiction because in order to say it you have to care and uh and and two um it, it just takes you out of the whole the whole idea of the performance right when you have these smug people and they go to a performance and they're like they're like there and they, they don't want to be a a part or a participant of this, um, of this uh, festivity, um, or, or to play the part, to play the part of the audience, to be, to, to be amazed, to suspend your, your imagination for a little bit. Um, and to actually truly experience this stuff. You say, I don't care. You're not going to feel the, the creation that's being created in front of you with the, with the art or the, uh, the up comedy or, or something along those lines. Um, and, uh, and it's it's not the duty of, of the art or the creator or the performance to to make you feel like you, you're, um, um, that make, to make you feel like that, that you want to be a part of this as part of the audience. Um, you should come there with the idea that you're going to put on the o- audience member hat and you're going to imagine what would it be like if I was the best audience member ever because you're part of the performance. And when you start realizing that, everything that you experience in your life, you're part of a performance. Who are you acting as? What are you pretending to be? Um, what, what is, uh, what are you, um, manifesting as, as an archetype? Um, so like, and and this is all different. It's always different in different situations. And if you utilize the wrong one in the wrong situation, you'll kind of look like an ass. So like, um, when I'm around my parents, um, I have to play the role of, of, the, of a younger person. And, and whenever I, I fight that and, and, you know, they, they, they do, they say something that um, makes me feel like a child. Um, they're doing it a, a, because that's how they see me. And and if I try to fight that, we're going to ha, kind of have a bad time because, um, because that's, that's how they remember me when, when we were hang when we used to hang out all the times, I was much younger. And, um, and to kind of take that from them is, is, it's kind of sad. And, and um, Mm -hmm. you you can kind of, there's so many different ways to play the role of the child um, that um, it's not a, it's not a problem, but I'm I'm getting a little off track. So let's, let's get back to to the generative principle. So um, in order for all this stuff to work, the, the, in order for any manifest, any change to manifest itself, the cause and effect, any of this stuff, um, you need to have care. You need to care about it. It's, and this is why it's called the generative principle. Um, because it governs creation and is the causal factor with which um, uh, with which creates the it, it's the it's the way that um, the cause actually works. You have to care about it, and uh, and, and and that's what's going to create the effect, and 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 it generates the results that that we actually say that we want. Um, and it's not to be confused with uh, compassion. Um, and all you have to do is ask yourself a couple of questions, and and, and you kind of see kind of what you actually care about, what you're actually going to manifest. And all you have to do is ask yourself, what are you giving attention to and helping to grow? And this is important because attention um, basically is the human currency. And, and, um, and this is why we have to pay attention um, because you're actually paying for the attention. So what are you giving attention to? Because attention creates density. And when you have density, then you start actually physically manifesting in the real world. And if you focus enough, you can, you can do this fairly quickly. Um, uh, focus your attention onto a single object. Um, so, what are you focusing on uh, is such a big deal because um, because what you focus on is what is ultimately that's going is going to get manifested. It's the, ultimately the thing that's going to grow. And um, um, this doesn't mean to actually to, to be ignorant of what's going on in in the real world and um, and to not love things that are bad or things that you don't want to create. Um, because life still needs that balance. Um, it just means like when, when you're ready to really focus on something, to really pay attention to it, um, and then, but still be aware that, that there is um, that, that pendulum swing and those, these polarities to pay attention to the opposite end of that spectrum as well.
0: Okay, that, that, that makes sense. I think the bottom line is what we really care about we put our will behind and that's what's ultimately is manifested in our lives. Right. So what we care about is basically what we become. It's almost like a, a not, like almost similar to like what you think of, you become really, it's probably what you care about you become just because the caring pulls together the heart the, the mind and the guts all together and gets them kind of aligned.
1: Yeah. It all, it all works in the, in the same way, intention, care, what you think about, um, because if you can, inside your head, as yeah, as like the principle of mentalism. It's an incubator in there. It's a fourth dimensional incubator. Um, so if you're thinking constantly about how do I make a million dollars? How do I make a million dollars? How, how am I going to make all this money? And you start surrounding yourself with things that anchor your, your idea into these thoughts. And these, are, um, these could be objects or, or maybe you write down that... Um, um, that you have a million dollars that you're grateful for your million dollars as if it's already happened. This constantly tells your subconscious that um, that oh this is something that um, we're going to make happen simply because um, hey this uh, this person took the energy to to write out this this thing to say that, that we're millionaires, so we must be millionaires, so like you have to th- you have to think of your subconscious as as this super literal thing that just whatever you you write manifest yourself think about it, it in terms of um, um I just lost it, but um, um, when you're doing something, the amount of willpower that it takes to actually do that thing is the care is that's the that's the transition point like what when you're taking a nap and you open your eyes and you're still laying there but you know you need to get back to work that energy that forces you to get back to work is is what you're relying on um to to actually get you to do the thing that you need to do
0: all right. All right that's a good analogy <laughs> cool okay cool so that covers all eight uh, principles or natural laws Um, we talked about maybe having a follow-up podcast where we could describe like how all these are better intertwined and how you can utilize them in your day-to-day life. And I think that's important. Um, But I think the first step obviously is to communicate to people what these principles are, their their origins, their histories, and and the importance of them, which I hope came across in in this podcast. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we... uh, Call it
1: I guess um to look at it big picture, like what are we describing big big picture, if we ignore the the craziness and we, we really focus on the uh, practicality of this, the, these eight things are your avenue with which you uh, create things, and this is the the artistic um, process of actually designing and uh, manifesting out in the real world you need all all, all eight of these things um, working together from from number one all the way down to uh, number eight essentially working at the same time um, and when you really understand these you really focus your attention um, in a very aligned and in uh, straightforward approach that just makes um, life so e- so easy um, It just a just going back to simple things like eye contact it's like um, everyone keeps telling you you got to have good eye contact eye contact helps it, it, it helps and and nobody goes why like why like why is that like what's the importance behind it? well to resonate with somebody um, like now you know why like you stick your chest out for confidence it's because you're emulating your're you're, you're, you're doing the, the you're doing basically a um, uh, a, a cause that, that actually creates uh, it creates an, an effect of confidence because uh, all these people stick their chest out so it must be it must do something and it, and it really does it it releases um um it, it makes it gives your your your, your genes uh, it activates genes within you because your body sees the cue of the of the chest sticking out and um and it says oh this is a time for for growth like we're, we're in a safe place and um and so all this stuff is connected all the way down to the biological level and cell uh, and um, and uh, atomic level and back out again. And that whole the whole motion that we're talking about is is uh, the principle of correspondence because uh, even at the even at the most inward point, it's still an an outward an, an inward representation of what's outward and an outward representation uh, representation of what's inward. And it this is a Going back to correspondence again, it's a wonderful thing to see because you see people mirroring all the time. You see um, people saying that, that like somebody around them is acting a certain way when it's actually them who are acting that way, and, and it just helps you understand what like what is actually going on um, with people um, and, and and why, and um, and that just makes life so much easier.
0: Awesome, great summary, Justin. Thanks.
1: Yeah, it was fun. I love talking about this stuff. I could do it for days. I can tell you have a real passion about it. It uh, kind of lights you up. If it, if it didn't work, um, I wouldn't.
0: <laughs> I wouldn't well, be so passionate about it. Actually, maybe we can um, finish off by talking about that. Not sure. only are you passionate about it, but you, you actively use it in your life, right? Like yes. you, bought, you bought, you've been able to prove to yourself the, the value of it.
1: Yeah. Let me go to the bathroom real quick and then we can talk about that. Okay. Cool. boom
0: didn't wash my hands nice huh. <laughs> so so <clears throat> just actually brings up a good point of how we can end this podcast not only do you believe in these concepts but you've integrated them into your life and you prove the value of them to yourself can you, you just give us a small example of, of how you did that um okay yeah sure so um
1: The best way to uh start using these principles is to categorize them based on um their level of importance so the principle of mentalism was number one so that was the one that i wanted to focus on and um and i made sure always to focus it in terms of um practical application simply because um people seem to be less interested in, in the, the actual meaning behind all of this stuff. And, um, and you can just very quickly use this and, um, and, and start r- running uh, programs inside your head to create things that, that you want um, inside your head. And then it's up to you to start to move forward and to actually present that out into the real world. And um, um, so, for example, uh, because of my upbringing in the Western world, and then my interaction with um, Eastern religion was always um, that there was a, a, I think because of karmic law and the focus on that in Hindu tradition um, and the, the fear of the, the pendulum going, going crazy and all this stuff where, where they just focused on observation and meditation and, and to avoid this uh, karmic entanglement um, as best as they could, basically to expend less energy, uh, less of their their karmic currency um, uh, throughout their lives, which is a, a wonderful way to excel in, in terms of uh, as at at a root um, human level. Um, that's a great way to to grow and to live longer and to be healthier and to be uh, and to basically transcend and ascend into a higher form of human. But um, I've recognized that I live in a capitalist country. Um, that I love and I love the the idea of competition and and merit and working hard and, and all all this stuff that um, that comes with toiling in the in this uh, on this mud ball of a planet as a, as opposed to avoiding it and 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 um, hiding basically putting an obs- an observational wall uh, around um, uh, experiencing and making mistakes and failing and all of this stuff that comes with, um, working hard. And, and so, um, knowing that, and then knowing that, that the mind is this incubator, um, I started wondering, well, what happens if, if I started thinking about things? Um, and I knew that we have 50,000 thoughts per day and on average of those 50,000 thoughts, it's not exactly 50, it's also average. Um, that's, um 80 of those thoughts are negative and if i'm not going to be able to stop these thoughts from from coming into my head um and just so you know what that means in terms of 80 percent of your thoughts are negative on a scale if, if they, they did a scale based on how many thoughts you have on average that, that are negative and if you have if 80 and, and on average 80 percent of our thoughts are, neg- are negative and what that course correlates to is the amount of stress that that um people are experiencing with uh, post-traumatic stress. Like, this is a very serious issue that we're having so many negative thoughts. Um, and I recognize that, that, that these thoughts were, were gonna be coming, so what if I just started thinking about certain things um, as opposed to, unconsciously consciously thinking of, of certain things as opposed to allowing my mind to um, have thoughts, like to have spontaneous thoughts. Because if these thoughts are gonna be a constant onslaught of, uh, of me having to battle these thoughts away, well what if I just constantly toiled with the same thought over and over and over and over again like what would what would pop out of that what if i what if I just kept thinking about um uh, thinking about bible verses and, and and bible stories and wondering well what's the meaning here and and let me let me find out what what this word means and 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 you you take something so so that that looks like just a few lines of words and you're like well let's define every single word let's let's really focus on um on, uh, on figuring out what this means and how this means and and um, the first thing I realized very quickly is that this incubator in here is a lot different than um, manifesting out in the real world and the first thing you have um, when you, when you're just thinking is often you you focus on, on just the words so if you're just focusing on the words you might as well say them out loud because then you're thinking constantly because you have to constantly be thinking about what you're about to say. But then on top of that, you're also working the pen stroke of of the, the, uh, the intellect that comes with producing the proper words to where you can actually understand what you're talking about. And the the reason why your mind doesn't do that well is because we have the attention span of nine seconds on average um, in, in this human world. So what happens is when you're thinking is that you're, you're one, you're thinking three times faster than you can talk. And 2 you don't finish your thought processes in your head very often because you already know the answer to it. You already know exactly what you're going, like what the answer is to it. Your higher self has already told you the answer to what the, what the question is that that you propose. Like, what does this Bible verse mean? And then, and then, um, it answers it for you and then you go, Oh, okay. Um, and you can have that before you, before you say it inside your head. So I started saying all of this stuff out loud and, and then things started changing very, very rapidly. Um, uh, next thing you know that I like you you start having confidence in, in the words that you're saying and, and and they start making more and more sense and you start formulating things that are invisible when, when I say that I'm talking about psychic things things that are inside your head suddenly are, are out in the real world and you can start imagining them based on um what you're actually saying and um so this is why I'm always a big proponent of videotaping yourself because because the best way to improve um, upon this process is to actually videotape yourself. And then you start to see what you're doing wrong and what you're doing right when you're expressing this stuff. And um, and it, start, it starts being a feedback loop. And, and I'm going to stop here to, to point out the fact that all of this thinking and doing and, and creating and acting and, and, and formulating has been keeping this 80% negative thoughts out of my mind simply because there is no time to think about this stuff because I'm thinking about things that I want to think about and talking about. And, uh, and I'm not allowing for, for this opportunity, uh, for these negative thoughts to come in. And then, like we said, this is, this is why the beauty of of the East comes in and works so well with, with the West when you interact with them, because you have the principle of polarity. And you say, well, if I'm going to be constantly thinking about all of this stuff, well, what happens to the intellectuals who keep thinking about the same thing over and over and over and over and over again? It's like, well, they sort of become dicks, okay? So... Um, let's not have that happen. How do we not have that happen? Well, let's bring in a little meditation and let's, uh, let's schedule this meditation every single day. And this will ground, this will ground me back into this unconscious and this, uh, awareness that, that, um, y- yes, my mind is the most power. My, our minds are the most powerful things in this universe. It's the, the, the most impressive, uh, weapon, uh, tool that we have, um, tool or weapon, however you want to use it. And it's been used both ways to great effect. And, um, uh but I see that it cannot overcome the unknowable. And it's like, how much is unknowable? 99% of the universe is unknowable. So it's completely useless in, in, in a lot of things. Um, and I have to be aware of that. So uh, in the process of cleaning out my mind, um, you're, you're aware of the fact that you have to be, uh, you have to acknowledge this, this shadow self, this other part of you, and, uh, and to interact with it as well. And that'll have its own specific time during the day, which is, it, for me in the very early morning, I always want to make sure that I get, um, all of this, all of that stuff out, out of the way early. Not that it's like a, a, a chore for me. I truly, it's my favorite time of the day, mm-hmm. but it's because the next part of the day is me manifesting. And, and that means that 90% of that is happening at the mental level and, it, and doing that because that is what's actually creating at the, uh, on the physical plane. And, um, the whole reason why I explained it in, in that way was, was to show you that, that you're basically drowning out. Um, you're, you're pushing away the, the um, things that are going to slow you down. And that's the whole thing about vibration. You're vibrating at a, at a higher level. Um, it, when you experience a, a blow, um, you almost don't even experience it because you fly by it. So think about like a projectile shooting through the air. Um, it hits something that's pretty flimsy and that flimsy thing just like blows away and the projectile keeps going. Um, and uh, and that's how you kind of want to think of vibration is like, is um, when there's a bunch of people around you and they're trying to basically make you think a certain way or make you do something, or coerce you or make you feel bad about yourself. Um, you can vibrate beyond those people simply by th- out thinking them and, and, uh, and to and explaining things to them and, and, and talking through it and, and, and working with it and and they see that they have their their low energy has no effect on you and um and it, that'll annoy your enemies and and if you can be conscious of again the polarity of, of it that you have to lower your energy back down when you're talking to somebody who who you want um, for who you want to understand who you want uh, who, who you want them to understand you. Um, you have to bring it back down to a level where, where that they can understand or slightly above. So you can kind of bring them up a little bit. Um, and it, um,
0: is that making any sense? Yeah, that's, that's making perfect sense. I mean, by knowing the laws much like mentalism was obviously part of like what you incorporate into this analysis. You are able to determine that, at some point in your life, you're going to be consumed with 80% negative thoughts. And In order to, to prevent that moment from occurring, you use a law of mentalism, polarity, a few other ones to make, ensure that didn't happen.
1: Yeah. And going through the vibration thing is it's just basically going through life. It's like, are you going to let people beat you down? Well, yeah. then probably have, have a low vibration. But if you're vibrating so fast that that you know, If you miss every traffic light, if you get stuck behind, uh, if you get cut off 10,000 times in a day, very little effect on you. Does that mean that you're going to just not try to make your life into a better life?
0: No. But that means that you're also not going to let shitty things bother you. Exactly. Justin, this has been a great conversation on Natural Law. Uh, Thanks for imparting all your wisdom. I'm sure people get a lot out of it. Let's Thanks. decide what the next one next podcast can be on. Thanks a lot. Talk to you. See you.